Welcome to Everything Co-op, bringing you information on how cooperatives can help improve your quality of life. This show is being sponsored by the National Co-op Bank, NCB. The NCB is dedicated to strengthening communities nationwide for the delivery of banking and financial services for the nation's cooperatives, their members, and other socially responsible organizations. For more information on the power of community ownership, visit ncb.coop. That's ncb.coop. Now stay tuned for your host, Vernon Oaks. Good morning, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks. Welcome to Everything Cooperative. Um, our guest is Jack Barnett, who's the president of Clean Energy Co-op, Inc. Good morning, Jack. Good morning. Thanks for having me, Vernon. Thank you for being on. I'm excited about what you're doing and like to tell everybody about Clean Energy Co-op, Inc. So tell me how you got started in co-ops particularly, but then also in solar. Okay. Well, personally, I joined... My wife, actually, after we got married back 30 years ago, we joined the George Street Co-op Food Co-op in New Brunswick, New Jersey. And that was my first exposure to co-ops. Went through several through different moves to different parts of the country and then um, retired here to northeast Pennsylvania, part of the northern Pocono Mountains. Nice, nice place to retire, beautiful rural countryside. And one of the first organizations we joined was a nonprofit called Sustainable Energy Education and Development Support, or SEEDS. And I joined that board uh, as a volunteer back uh, probably 2013 now. And having had some experience uh, serving as a volunteer in other co-ops, when we had a problem of trying to figure out how we could do more sustainable renewable energy in our small rural community, co-ops as a solution to uh, accumulating capital from many small members was what came to mind. Hmm. Okay. So how did you get involved in clean energy? What caused you to go to that and join that board? Oh, my. Let's see. Well, just in general, solar has always been something that's attractive to me. I'm a, a retired electrical and computer engineer, and I remember seeing my first solar panel probably when I was a teenager but became a very uh, big advocate for solar over the years. Took uh, a variety of classes to get myself educated on it and then installed solar on um, our previous house and now our retirement home as well. But uh, our mission is really to make our community more sustainable. And part of that is to provide renewable energy, cleaner energy to our community and ourselves that, um, Benefits the community, the people, and, yeah, it happens to generate some profits, too. Oh, okay. Uh, so that's – and Seeds was really focused on that. You know, when it first launched in 2008, it was a quite divisive issue in the in this community over the ability to uh, – whether we should go from renewable energy or add more drilling for natural gas in this region. And Seeds was one of the organizations trying to, to – further divide the communities. They almost were quite uh, partisan in, in the behavior. But to bridge them with a with a, always doing about positive solutions. And the co-op became a method for financing larger solutions than just individual homes or educating local contractors and things like that. Well, Jack, uh, you said mission is 
to make the community more sustainable. What I've heard, I hear this a lot. Sustainable. What do you mean by that? Oh yeah, it's it's an ambiguous word, and it's actually for our purposes in our community, it's been good that it's somewhat ambiguous because a lot of the people here, uh, farmers especially. I think they hear the word sustainability, and their first impression is economic sustainability. And that's important, absolutely critical uh, to them and, and the, and the econo- economy of the local community. But when we say it, we mean that, but we also mean sustainable for the environment and the people who live here. It has to be not polluting, not causing global climate change, not contributing to all of the sins of the past, if you will. Mm-hmm. Moving on. So sustainable meaning we can live on this planet longer or live in this community longer and we don't mess it up? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and if you think about what Native Americans did when they were trying to make decisions about infrastructure, think about seven generations into the future. Are the things we're proposing to do good for that long of a period? I mean, did they they say that? Was that in their map of the Native Americans, we're going to look seven generations into the future? That's what my understanding. See, I'm phenomenal because it was talking about the sins of your father would, would last seven generations, so something good can last seven generations is also awesome. Yeah. <laughs> That's a 140, 200 years or something you got to look out for every decision. What would that do to the capitalistic business model? <laughs> it would be a great change if we were really making decisions with that kind of perspective. Wow. Instead of what's the short-term return on profit. Mm-hmm. Okay. So sustainable energy education and development support seed. That's a mouthful. Okay. I see why you had to use seeds as a acronym. I don't know, Jack, I'm looking at your picture. I don't, I didn't think you would be anywhere talking about retirement. You don't look that <laughs> Well, old thank you, I guess. Go. But, yeah, I spent 30 years in the telecom industry and managed to, to retire slightly early, but have really been able to execute my passions in retirement years. So you're not re- re- retired? Uh, I'm certainly not making any money from um, <laughs> salary or anything like that. I, I get to spend my time instead caring about uh, family, eating local, sustainable, healthy food, and helping the community in so many ways in the same fashion of being healthy and sustainable. Okay. So you had to make money, get a retirement, get a pension thing, so you could then move into your passion. Yeah, I wish I had a pension, but yeah. Okay, well, somewhere, <laughs> somehow you're getting somehow, some kind of retirement money. Somehow you've got to pay for that food. So I assume somewhere in there, now you're working your passion. I think that's neat. Jack, you've you talked, okay, let's talk. go back to, I think it was 2014 when you spun off the Clean Energy Co-op? Yes. Okay. So the um, seeds had been, focused on bringing the benefits of renewable energy to the community, mostly through educational and some promotional activities. And we really wanted to make a bigger impact. We realized as a nonprofit, SEEDS could not perform some of the tasks that were required to go up to the next level of performance in that realm. So we started a, um, a circle, basically a committee, uh, to explain 
expand our solar mission into the community scale rather than just individual scale solar. And that circle came around to, to a business plan to launch a separate legal entity that became the Clean Energy Co-op, Inc., where we would uh, be a technically a for-profit entity and therefore were eligible to apply for certain grants. And we could obtain financing uh, from our community members, the cooperative members, to build larger solar systems. And in 2015, we were able to finance our first solar system. It was built on the roof of our another nonprofit in our community called the Cooperage. An interesting uh, synergy there. The Cooperage building itself is actually in 1840, I believe. Mm. Uh, Cooper uh, had built it to build his to construct barrels, wooden barrels, and then at the time where the the cardboard box of the equivalent to ship all kind of goods around the country. And so the Cooperage has gone through many iterations over the past 150 years and is now an, a nonprofit community center. So we were able to, to uh, get enough financing together between grants and our members to construct that solar system, and we still own and operate that on the roof of the, Co- of the Cooperage. Okay. And who do you sell the energy to? Uh, yeah, part of the, the way we structured the deal is the cooperage itself purchases the energy from us. So as a nonprofit, they were not able to take advantage of some of the financing vehicles they, that they might if they wanted to own the solar system themselves. Um, there are federal tax credits and accelerated depreciation that businesses can take advantage of, but nonprofits are left out. So by our for-profit co-op being the owner, we get those tax credits, we get that accelerated depreciation, and we sell the energy on a monthly basis to the nonprofit for a fixed price. So they're no longer subject to the variable price of the marketplace for electricity. Oh, this is it, this is very exciting. I um, I, I get that it's very exciting. I don't hear the energy coming from you though. I apologize because it's been six years since we did that, and we're we're actually doing more now. But uh, that was our first one. Yeah, I, I guess because I haven't done this, but I'm looking at if you've got a nonprofit community center, and you can put up a solar panels that provide them energy at a fixed price. So the rest of the world prices may be going up; they don't normally go down. They are set at a fixed price. And then you can sell it and and make some money and get these benefits for depreciation and tax credits and so forth. Right. So, and then we're able to turn around and offer some of those benefits back to our members who have invested or reinvest that income into more projects. So okay. we've also completed two additional projects since then. But before we go into the other ones, I want to come okay. back and talk about we're going to take our first break. And I want to come back and talk about the structure of um, your organization. How do you, the Clean Energy Co-op, Inc., how did you structure that? Because I've got a group of people that's looking at starting an investment type to do a housing, mainly for probably college students. So um, it's got a nonprofit aim in trying to keep pricing down for college students. There's a group of people 
I've talked to them about starting a co-op. So I'm wa- I'm wanting you to help me figure out <laughs> what are some ways of structuring this thing so you can get people to bring in some money to buy real estate and then lease it out and probably put a solar panel on top of it. <laughs> Sounds good to me. We're, we're going to take our first break and then we'll come right back. everybody. This is Vernon Oaks. And our guest is Jack Barnett, who's the president of Clean Energy Co-op, Inc. And Jack, before we uh, took break, you were telling us about Clean Energy Co-op, Inc. and your first installation at a nonprofit. And uh, it was interesting that it was a Cooper family. And so you have co-op in there uh, and, and, and you installed this. Now, what I wanted to do before we go any further was talk about um, your structure for this co-op and you mentioned circles and are you doing sociocracy? Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah. We are, we are using a sociocracy governance model. So seeds was, uh, also had that same governance model and we adopted that as part of our bylaws when we started in 2014, we were really kind of naive about what it took to start a cooperative. So we got some help. We had the uh, Keystone Development Center in Pennsylvania, which is uh, funded by the USDA to support new startup cooperatives in the Mid-Atlantic region. They were very helpful in providing us some legal advice to understand how co-ops are structured and to go through the process of creating our articles of incorporation at the state level, filing that paperwork, creating our bylaws, getting them approved creating a policies document on how our co-op operates on a daily basis and moving forward in that process. How, you know, what, how many board members to put on the board, how to elect them in, in rotating terms and things like that. Okay. I don't want to go over that too quickly because that, that is, that, that stuff can be difficult, but before we go, KDC, uh, um, they've been on the show. So won't you give a shout out of who you worked with at KDC? Oh, Peggy Fogarty. Fabulous woman <laughs> has just really helped us, uh, and we've stayed in touch and been supportive of each other as other cooperatives are either considering or getting started in the region. They've got a great cooperative leadership workshop coming up on February 5th in Lancaster, and a whole day workshop on supporting people who are uh, looking to up their game as a cooperative leader and a leader in a co-op or um, to start a new one. Mm. I'd highly recommend it to anybody considering or, or involved in leadership of the cooperative. Okay, so that's February fifth, and you can get Peggy at Peggy at KDC dot co-op. Right. Okay, she's been on the show, and I'm very impressed with her and her her group. So we give a shout out to her. Okay, let's go back to 2014, and you're saying, oh, we're going to do a co-op. You're enthusiastic, you're going to do a co-op, and you found out. Uh, you don't know what you're talking about and what does it take to do this thing. So what de- did it take? I mean, can you take us through some steps? Um, let's see. Well, we knew we needed to be able to raise a fair amount of capital to build these solar systems. So we had to think about what's the legal structures to do that. We could have perhaps formed a limited liability corporation and still, if we'd wanted to, adopted the 
seven principles of the cooperatives as part of our bylaws. But I think Peggy and and the lawyer they have uh, that provided us some advice made the point that under Pennsylvania's cooperative business law, we had some extra capabilities as a legally organized cooperative. So under that law, we are exempt from what might be called uh, regular securities regulations. So we can promote and raise funds from our members with fairly unlimited regulation. We still can't do fraudulent things or anything of that nature, but we can put together a private offering and, and raise money by selling our preferred shares in our legal entity to people who are already members of the co-op. And so in some sense, our co-op is, is sort of a legalized investment club. Well, it's interesting you're talking to me this morning because that's the idea I had about the co-op I was telling you about is a legalized investment club. And your case is to build solar panel uh, farm systems. And the case I'm looking at is to buy real estate and develop real estate. Mm-hmm. And how do you do that as a group of people coming together that likes the mission of what you're trying to do? Exactly. So we started with, I think it was around the order of 30-ish members, all of which paid $100 to become a member of the co-op. And that is a one-time membership fee that gave them a common share of our co-op of membership share. And in the six years since then, we've increased that to 89 members. And about uh, half of those have further invested in the co-op by becoming owners of our preferred shares. Uh, we can only sell those preferred shares if they're Pennsylvania residents. If they're what now? Pennsylvania re- legal residents. Okay. If we crossed state lines, then we'd be subject to federal Securities and Exchange Commission's regulations. So by limiting our self to only existing members, we comply with state regulation, and only Pennsylvania legal residents we comply with federal regulations. Hmm. Okay. So you, with the lawyers, with KDC's help, uh, getting your lawyer and thinking through this, you decided, here we go, we're going to incorporate. Mm-hmm. So we can do this. We're limiting ourselves. We can't go nationally unless we decided to follow the federal laws. So we're going to be in Pennsylvania, and we're only going to get money from this preferred stock through its through your members. Right. Okay. So it's just like any other type of co-op where you come together as a group of people, put small amounts of funds together to make a bigger impact. And so we were able to raise about $60,000 that, that first time, and some of that came from the grant. Uh, actually, it was more like $71,000 now that I look at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of that came from a USDA grant uh, that supports renewable energy in rural communities. And the rest of it came from our, our members. And we were able to, therefore, uh, hire a local contractor to install that solar system. And now we get a monthly income from that. Monthly income with very little expenses? Oh, yeah, exactly. And one of the wonderful things about a solar system is it has no moving parts, so it has very little maintenance and repair issues. It's 
highly reliable and that the, the sun is shining on a predictable amount of time every year, every month, every day. Well, not every day, but every month. Even in Pennsylvania? <laughs> Even in Pennsylvania, yeah. Pennsylvania gets an average of four hours of sunshine daily throughout the year. Obviously, some more in summer and less in winter. Not today. We get nice overcast day today, but uh, it's predictable. And so that's um, we can put together a business plan that says, here's how much money we can make from that solar system over 25 years. Okay. And we'll be able to repay all the investors back with dividends in, in that time frame. Okay, so what I'm getting back here, getting here is your 2014, 2015 time frame. You've you've gotten your structure, your legal structure, but how did you go find members? Yeah, that's always the trick. I think um, we started with a good community of, of people. Um, most of them were seeds volunteers or or members of that nonprofit. Already convinced that renewable energy, um, sustainable living was a critical portion of their community, and so we appealed to them as our first base. And then when we started the arrangement with the Cooperage Project, the, the nonprofit community center, they had a clientele of people who came to that location to have family game night or attend mm-hmm. concerts or uh, take classes and, and all that kind of stuff. So that community extended ours into theirs. And then later we've now done projects at two farms that grow local food to feed People okay. in the community okay. and, and in the region and their customers have become members of our co-op in the process of helping that farm put solar on their property. Okay, so it's people in seed. So you just went to your, I don't know, your family and asked them, you want to be a part of this? Yeah, in some sense, that's how you start any business, right? You, yeah. You, you go after your friends and family. We're going to take our second break, and then we'll be right back to talk to Jack. Got started and the other projects. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks. The program is Everything Cooperative. Uh, you know that National Co-op Bank has been our sponsor for the last six-plus years we've been on air. Jack, we started out being, we were going to do this for one month, the month of October, six years ago, six and a half years ago now, and it's just taken off. I really enjoyed this conversation. I have found my passion. You said you were looking to find yours. I never thought it would be talking on the radio particularly, but the National Co-op Bank has been there with us, and they've been sort of uh, like you went back to your family. They ended up being really our family that supports us and lifts us up. Not only monetarily, but here's some more ideas. This is some different things you can do. And their mission is to support and be an advocate for America's cooperatives and their members. And that's exactly what they've been doing with this program. But especially in low-income communities, whether that's rural or urban. And they do that by providing innovative financial and related services. So that's what you were looking for early with innovative ways of financing your co-op Um they could have been a partner with you. Uh, and again, it's not only for providing the the monetary piece of it, of the loans or what, whatever you might need, but it's also as a group of people that really get in and support you and help you with like planning and so forth. Matter of fact, the uh, last time I saw Peggy and 
with the other gentleman that worked with her, Stephen McDowell. Yeah. The last time I saw them was at an NCB annual meeting. So it's NCB is really, really great partner in all of this. Okay, so we were talking about how you got started, and you you went to see to get members. Well, first, Peg and them helped you figure out the structure, the legal structure. Right. And then you went to get members. Now, you got, you start out with 30 members. Why did you decide, if you're an investment group, why $100? I'm thinking, in the group I'm thinking about, I'm thinking $1,000 or $5,000 or $10,000 for membership. Why so little? Well, we wanted our members to be able to join at a reasonably low threshold and participate in the running of the co-op. It's a democratic organization. It's very community-focused here in rural Pennsylvania. So we wanted to make that threshold of participation reasonably small. And at a one-time level rather than an annual membership, even if someone can't afford it to start, we can work with them to, to fund that $100 membership over time. So we have probably half of our members who would probably not describe themselves as investors. But they're excited to help the community be more sustainable and to help put solar energy on our community uh, buildings and neighborhoods. But we also have about half of the members who are more financially able to contribute. And so we have a second class of shares in the co-op called our preferred shares. And those are, we generally price at $1,000 each. And many of those members have more than one of those shares. Okay, $1,000 each. But it's important to remember that only the common shares are the voting shares. So that's, again, reinforcing the democratic principle of one person, one vote. Every member gets a vote, but just because you're putting more money into the capital of the of the co-op doesn't mean you get more votes. That doesn't mean you have more power than anybody right. else. Your money that's doesn't give you more power. Exactly. Your each membership, one member, one vote. I think that's the third principle. Uh, no, it's in there somewhere. I can't remember the order off the top of my head. Yeah. So it's interesting. You talked about 50 percent of your members would not consider themselves investors in that 40 percent of Americans in a study uh, found out that 47 percent of Americans could not come up with four hundred dollars if they had an emergency in their life. Yeah. Isn't that scary? Uh, yeah. Very scary, because I couldn't figure out when I look at some crimes why people would be stealing a hundred dollars or something. It's the second it is the second principle, member, uh, democratic right. member control. Yeah. The first one is one I really like. Uh, my second favorite is volunteer and open membership. It's open to everybody and anybody not not related to your age or your gender or your political affiliation or your religious affiliation. It's not related to anything. You want to come in. If you're real co-op, you want to come in, come on in and be uh, responsible and Pay something in, and that something in is the third principle, member participation, member e economic participation. And in your case, you said $100, but also if there is a profit or when, hopefully, there's a profit, you as members decide what you do with that profit. And it could be a dividend. It could be you do some other community event or something that helps out the community, or, or you could save it in the business or keep it in the business to do other projects. So those right. are 
three. My, my favorite one, well, autonomy and independence is number four. You have to have control. You don't let any government or anybody you borrow money from or anybody else get in and control you. You have to have control. And the fifth one is my favorite one, and that's economic uh, education, training, and information. So education, training, and information was the first thing that I really, really liked that co-op sort of stood out. Because I had for the last 27 years, I'm closing my property management business. It's almost got it closed. I have been managing co-ops, and this is how I found out about co-ops. And I would see everyday people, sometimes with a high school education, sometimes not, would make extremely great decisions and with a focus on long term. (laughs) Okay. They would replace the roof, uh, even though it's a big, big decision in terms of money for most most housing um, and and they would do things that they would have to do for that I don't think anybody looked out seven generations but at least one or two <laughs> okay yep and the sixth one is cooperation among cooperatives and I want to talk to you about that in a minute but concern for community and this is why a lot of co-ops will put some of that profit in the other community kinds of things. Whatever the community needs is to take some of that profit and, and put it there. So you all have, you had 30 members and you going up to 89 members, $100 each, and then some people will buy preferred stock. The common stock is the $100. So everybody that buys, all those 89 members have one vote. So we have a membership meeting. Each member has one vote, but some members and maybe 50% of them had bought preferred stock, which is $1,000 a share, and that gives you no voting right. But now, do they give you a, a fixed return, or you it's based on whatever the profit is? Yeah, what we've done is, so far, is, is it's not fixed, but it's um, intended to be a modest dividend annually on the preferred shares. And every year, we've uh, since that first investment, we've been able to pay a 2% dividend on that, those preferred shares. I was going to ask you what's modest mean, because a lot of savings account have been in the last, and since 14, was a half a percent. Right. <laughs> so it's modest in one way, particularly when, when interest rates were 21%, and I remember that day. Mm-hmm. But in today, that's, that's not a bad return. That's, it's, it, you know, it's roughly about what you could get in a, in an IRA that's investing in a money market or some um, government bonds, but those are a lot less risky, perhaps, than our co-op and uh, investment in the co-op. That's interesting you would say that because I would argue the opposite. I, I argue the opposite all the time. <laughs> but I'll acknowledge in a traditional Wall Street kind of mentality, you know, a government-guaranteed bond is one level of risk. And putting it into our our community, maybe that's a little more risky, but it's a lot more beneficial to the members. Yes, and. (laughs) Yes, and. When you have the whole community that is supporting a business because they see the value of that business and you have members that support that business, uh, Dr. Jessica Gordon-Emhard wrote a book called um, Collective Carriage. It's mainly about the... African-American experience with cooperatives. But in that, she said that after five years, 90 percent of like small businesses that start and they are in the capitalistic model, in five years, they fail. Mm. For in a co-op, only 10 percent fail in that same five year period. 
And a, a lot of it is because of how that naivete that you were talking about. You have to learn a lot before you start. You have to put a lot of, uh, of, of effort in sweat equity, if you will, before you start in that learning, that fifth principle, you learn about things and then you are working together as a group and you have different skill sets and you learn how to work together as a group. And when you put sociocracy on top of that, where everybody, the information flows up and down and sideways from left to right and from right to left, you have all of this information and people involved in it. You have a lot less chance of failure. I would even, I'd want to argue even perhaps more less chance than government bonds. That's interesting. Certainly lately. I agree totally. Hmm. Okay. So um, I would appreciate if you, when you come back on again, you don't make that kind of statement that is more <laughs> risky. <laughs> Get me upset. I try to make sure I, I see the views of everyone in the picture and can argue because I can put myself in their shoes. But yes, okay, you're I, absolutely right. And I can see you saying, and I can support you in that the normal view is Corporate bonds or government bonds are less riskier than almost anything else, including investing into a co-op that's run by community people for the community. I can hear that statement, and I got that one. But I also believe that community investment, the community co-op, has the same amount of risk as a government bond or even less risk because of all of the ingredients that make a co-op so wonderful. Yes. If they're running as a co-op now, because all of them don't. All of them don't follow those seven principles in the value system. Yeah. And that's one of the interesting things we've had here in rural Pennsylvania. When we talk to many members of our community, and we use the word co-op, especially among the farmers, there's actually a pretty negative reaction to that word. Wow. Tell because me. Their experience wow. of a co-op on a daily basis is the dairy co-ops these very large corporations that are legally structured as a co-op and are owned by some of the farmers that uh, use the services of that co-op, but not all of them are owners. And in the last several decades, those dairy cooperatives are not treating their farmers very well in terms of the contractual terms. They're having to cut back on purchasing milk. And so the farmers are actually quite angry at some of these larger uh, milk cooperatives that would be interesting to get some of those farmers on this show, particularly with one or two of those large dairy uh, co-ops, because I've had the dairy co-ops on the show, and they talk about how the co-op is so member-oriented, and that's what I expect if it's run as a cooperative, because the members own it. Right. So oh, that would be a great conversation. I'll put that down to see if we can't get that, and maybe if you can help us find some farmers that get on to talk their side of this. You know, that industry or that's, that market segment is very um, scared right now with all the bankruptcies and uh, challenges in, in terms of their business being stable as a farm. So they are often unwilling to rock the boat or any way appear objectionable to their life. Line. I got it. <laughs> so we may not do that one, but that's a great idea. Listen, we're going to take our final break and then we'll be right back to talk some more about those other two projects that you've done and uh, the benefits that you see for the community. And I really want to talk about this six principle cooperation among co-ops that work with housing co-ops putting in solar panels. We'll be right back.
information is power. That's why WOL is a great partner. And the reason we have this program is to give you information about cooperatives so you can start your own or you can figure out what you want to buy or what services you need and you can look for a cooperative to help provide those to get all of the benefits of co-ops. And Jack, we were talking about your projects. I wanted to come back where we're talking about farms and your other two projects that you've installed are on farms. So can you tell us about those and how they got started and and how you got those accomplished? Sure. We were lucky enough to be in a a farming region of Pennsylvania. And some of them are vegetable farms in in addition to many dairy farms. And those uh, tend to have sales of their product locally. So they feed the community in a, in a more sustainable local economy. So we were very enthusiastic about helping those farmers conserve their expenditures and, and be able to, to run a more efficient operation. And we needed a way to get to a second project <laughs> because we had successfully done the, the Cooperage Solar Array on the nonprofit community center. And in fact, we won a national award as the 2016 National Community Energy Project from the Interstate Renewable Energy Council. So it was a wonderful recognition of that project. But we struggled in 2017 to, and 2016 to how to go to the next one. We ended up talking to one of the local farms that grows vegetables. Uh, they had some experience with solar, but had this beautiful barn roof that could collect a lot of sunlight but no way to capitalize and, and fund on their own a, a, a solar array on that barn. Now, that farm is a for-profit farm. So it's not quite the same arrangement with as with a nonprofit community center. Instead of owning the system on our cooperative, we instead just gave that farmer a loan so that he could build that solar system on his barn. We helped him also apply for a a USDA grant to go with it to pay for 25% of the system. And then the loan financed the rest. And the nice thing about this was their electric bills were less as soon as the solar array came online. Do you, so know, how, do you know how much positive. less? Do you um, know how much less? You know, I don't know exactly, 20%, but, but it was on the order of 10%. Okay. So it was immediate cash flow positive because they were paying the loan off over a much longer term than they could get from a bank, uh, at least a regular bank. Mm-hmm. And that solar system reduced their electric bills tremendously. They are actually net zero, so they're actually exporting more energy than they're using. And that just that annual cash flow bonus pays for the loan payments every month, every year. Wow. Okay, so you got you got two happy customers here. <laughs> yeah, we went on to do that on a third farm in 2018. Uh, that actually uh, delivers uh, certified organic food, both in the local community and to New York City. And in 2019, we we were going to be really aggressive and do two projects. And unfortunately, the year ended with neither of them uh, making it. We've got uh, one farm that we tried to put solar on, but uh, couldn't quite come to a, a, a correct location. And we also signed an agreement with the county government. So the Wayne County is our is our local county government, covers the very far northeast corner of the state of Pennsylvania, right in the, in the Delaware River Valley. We're uh, we're under contract with them to install our solar system on their 
Technology Innovation Center. Appropriate. Okay. Yeah. And so they're very excited. The, commi- the, the commissioners and the county government officials are excited to do that contract with us. We just need to, to get the last news from the USDA on our grant application we, that we submitted back in October. It's been delayed due to uh, Washington budget. And so we're expecting any day now to hear on our, our status of that grant application, and that will close the funding for us to install that system as soon as the spring construction season can start. Okay, so your members have to be from Pennsylvania. Not quite. Oh, okay. Members can be from anywhere. Those members won't be able to invest unless they're uh, further invest if, unless they're Pennsylvania legal residents. Okay, so I could be a member from D.C., but I couldn't put the thousand dollars. I couldn't do the preferred stock. I'm afraid so. Okay, all right. What about your clients? Do they have to be in Pennsylvania, or can they be anywhere in the U.S.? They could be anywhere, but we prefer to do systems locally because we are really focused on the community aspects of this. We have considered doing some projects just across the Delaware River in New York State, but when we think about what we need out of each project is we want to expand our base of membership. And um, if we have Pennsylvania members, we can get more investors to do more projects. So we tend to want to accomplish projects that are local here in, in Pennsylvania. But okay. we're still open to the possibility of expanding. Herb Fish is a really good friend of mine. He used to be the president of the National Association of Housing Co-ops. And he sent me an email. He's a retired lawyer from the Chicago area, and the email was, can you put these solar panels on housing co-ops? And this is why they are throughout the U.S., and there are some in Pennsylvania. But have you looked at housing co-ops to do this cooperation among co-ops thing? I can't say I have, at least not that type of co-op. We have worked with two co-ops in Philadelphia and another one in Pittsburgh that have been starting up to do solar installations in those cities, um, taking advantage of the same Pennsylvania cooperative law structure. Um, and to date, I believe at least the one in Pittsburgh has successfully installed a solar system. And one of the ones in Philadelphia ended up launching a slightly different program, uh, basically a, a bulk purchasing arrangement to install solar on their members' homes. Okay. But I'm excited to share anything about our cooperative with other organizations, cooperatives, uh, anywhere. Some of the things we do are unique to the Pennsylvania um, because of our state benefits. But, yeah, if I can help, I would be glad to. Okay. I'm hoping he'll listen. And so maybe I was thinking of reaching out to Fred Gibbs, who's the president of the National Association, and maybe getting you or somebody in to talk at their annual meeting about this as a possibility and how, who delivers it and which states and so forth. Cause there's a lot of housing, co- multifamily co-ops in New York city. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tremendous amount. Uh-huh. Yeah, we are actually just uh, in the last few weeks, we've been approached by our local habitat for humanity chapter. They're actually uh, considering building a, a sustainable multifamily dwelling and, it's being done by a lead certified architect that's being designed. And he's considered putting sol- uh, making the roof structured so it would be perfect for solar as part of the design. Mm-hmm. And we're trying to figure out wi- with them how we could 
make that happen. We haven't gotten there yet, but it's just getting started. That sounds very, very exciting. Yeah. Uh, particularly partnering with partnering with Habitat, with all the great work that they do. That sounds extremely exciting. So, first, do you like what you're doing? I know it's your passion. <laughs> I almost don't have to ask that question. Yeah, yeah. It's it's been one of those things where you know spending thirty years in large corporation doing engineering and telecommunications projects. Yeah, it was it was a career. But once I realized I needed to something else in my life, having not to have that job every day, this was an easy thing to do, and I'm really excited every day. Okay, so what message would you leave people with, particularly as it relates to co-ops, but anything? What would you like um, to leave people with? You know, I think first we have to care for this planet and care for our local communities. And cooperatives are a great way to make that happen for whatever mission it is. Put together what's important to you for, and for your community and get the people to help people make it happen. People help people make it happen. Okay. So I got care for the local community, figure out what's important in that community or as somebody, one of my first guests uh, from Senegal, Papa Sin, said, co-ops are to solve community problems. And if you don't have a community problem, you don't need a co-op. So <laughs> carry that on. So you care for the local community. You figure out what's important or what problem they have that needs to be solved. Uh, farmers really need to figure out, always figure out how they can reduce their costs and, and reduce their risk of farming. I, I've gotten it on this show more than I've ever known it before. It's just a very, very risky business. Mm-hmm. And then you get people helping people. And that gets to the values of co-ops, which I like. Um, self-help I like a lot, particularly uh, growing up African-American in, in America, uh, always looking for who's going to help out or who, what are they going to do. And I I realized really early, maybe at 13, that the, the they is me. Uh, what am I going to do? So self-help, self-responsibility, caring for. And then I like the ethical values of honesty, openness, social responsibility and caring for one another. That's what makes co-op so great. Thank you, sir. Agreed. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. And I'd like to maybe get up and look at one of those solar panels and do a walkthrough with you. Have a wonderful day. And everybody out there, have a great cooperative week. Thank you.